It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union, a season wrap-up edition, as it turns out here this week. I can't believe I've gone two days without talking hockey. Really, I did the game on Friday night. I emceed an event on Saturday. Yesterday, we spent the day trying to figure out what my son needs for the prom that is coming up next weekend, and that's been it. So I finally get to talk some hockey with you once again, and I have plenty of questions that you have sent me, and I can't wait to get to each and every one of them. But first, I've got to tell you, about the good people at Telhio Credit Union because another season has come to an end and the fine folks at Telhio have been there with you through me all season long. They have brought CBJ and 30 to you every week and they've now done this for a long time and they have been such amazing partners to have with our organization. They're they're just good people. The people that I deal with from there, the people I've met are just fantastic people and that's true of their organization. If it wasn't true, they wouldn't have been around as long as they have been. They've been around forever, it seems. And they are very involved in the communities where their branches are. They give back to communities. That's just the kind of people that they are. It starts at the top and it filters its way down. That's who they are day in and day out. So if you have not, after all of these years of me telling you to do this, if you have not ever gone to tellhio.org to find out why you should join a credit union instead of just being with a regular bank. If you haven't gone to find out about all the things that they offer, about those things that could be very good and helpful to you, if you haven't found out about the personal options, if you haven't found out about the small business options, if you haven't found out about the loans, the checking accounts, the savings accounts, whatever it is, if you haven't done it, do it today. It's never too late. You can always do it. Their website is tellhio.org. Go there, just click on the different tabs, find the information you're looking for. If you can't find it, if it's during business hours, there's a live chat option. You can click on that. Somebody will come right up on the screen, and they'll help you through it. They have helped me get to you for another season, all season long, to be able to have these chats. So go and check out what they have and see how it might fit for you. Tellhio Credit Union is open to everyone in Central in southwestern Ohio, they are federally insured by NCUA. All right, it's time to get after it today. I've got questions that have come to me on Twitter, at Bobby Mac Sports. I also have uh, two voice questions that have come in this week, and I'll start with them. Here's number one. Hello, Bob. It's Greg in Cleveland. All right, probably my last one of the season here, so uh, I've got a handful of questions. I'll try to uh, word economize on this to my best ability. First question, is there any light at the end of the tunnel for Texier's return? I know he went back home to France for personal reasons, but I did not think he was going to be gone this long. Um, so have you heard anything about his potential return? He'll be here by the start of next season. Um, any word on that? Second question, there are a lot of new faces on this team this year, brand new to the league. How many Blue Jackets scored their very first NHL goal this season? Um, I'm thinking around five. I know Blankenberg got his the other day. Gregory Hoffman had one earlier in the season before he left. Um, and then you had some guys in between there. Um, 
I think it's five. I don't quite think it was half a dozen, but I could be wrong. Um, third question, what in your opinion is the most impressive goal the Blue Jackets scored this year? I'm torn between Texier's shootout goal against Nashville when he used the goalie stick as a ramp, and then Boquist not quite end-to-end, but pretty darn close when he just took the reins and handled everything himself on that play. And then fourth and final question, there's been a lot of discussion this year regarding Rick Nash's number being retired, deservedly so, uh, which brings me to ask you, how would you feel about your name being retired at some point down the line for the Jackets. Uh, You are essentially to this team what Joe Tate was to the Cavaliers, and his name hangs from the rafters of Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. So you breathe life into this team, uh, you know, these games for the listeners, and you do these podcasts and everything, and pretty much, you know, you go above and beyond. Um, So I wondered, what would your thoughts and emotions be on that should you be approached with that by the team someday. Let's hope that's a long way down down the line there in the future. Um, but I thought it was a valid question. Wanted to get your honest opinion. All right, Greg. Well, I will go in order of your questions. You started asking about Alexander Texier and his return. I talked with Brad Larson last week, one of the last home games. I asked him about Alexander Texier and if he expects him to be back in time for training camp next year, and he said that he did. He had no reason to think at that time that Alexander Texier wouldn't be done dealing with the family issues that he had this year, and he would be ready to go for next year. Okay, so that's all I can tell you about that. That is the expectation, barring anything else that we don't know about right now. The expectation is that he will be back. Uh, The second thing you asked about, how many Blue Jackets scored their first ever NHL goal? Now, I went through this list, and I think I've got them all, but maybe I missed one. And if I did, somebody can tell me about it. Um, but I I listened to what you said, and you didn't think it was a half a dozen, but guess what? Oh, it's more than that. Okay? We have um, Cole Sillinger, of course, Yegor Chinikov, Carson Meyer, Jake Christensen, Gregory Hoffman, Justin Danforth, Trey Fix-Wolanski, and Nick Blankenberg. That's the list that I came up with, so that's eight. And that's a lot. So if I missed anybody, let me know. But I, I think that's it. I was, I've was i been racking my brain here, and I think I've got them all. As far as what was my favorite goal or what do I think was the biggest goal that was scored this year, um, you had some good ones. I'm not knocking you on your choices, but there's one to me that really, really stands out. Blue Jackets taking on the Boston Bruins the night that Rick Nash's number was retired. Blue Jackets have 14 seconds left to try to find a way to get it done. They get the puck off the faceoff. Bjorkstrand in. Goes on the left side. A quick shot by Line is denied. Patrick's got it again. Zips it out to Voracek. Three seconds left. Score! Jake Voracek scores with 1.8 seconds left in regulation to tie this game at four. That is my pick for the most impressive goal of the year. And when you couple that with the fact that Jake Voracek had only six goals all season, to me that makes it even more impressive. But that was an incredible night. It was an incredible goal at a perfect point in time. The only thing that went wrong with that entire night is that the Blue Jackets eventually lost that game in the shootout. Other than that, it was picture perfect. And Jake Voracek really accentuated what was going on all night when he scored that particular goal. All right, now your final thing. Listen, I appreciate 
the accolades and the compliments. I really do. But the last thing that I want to think about is my name going anywhere, okay? I have been here for 13 years, which seems like a long time, but that is a drop in the bucket when it comes to getting those kind of honors in my business. I mean, the guys that have had press boxes named after them or have something in the press box named after them, they've been around a lot longer than I have. So, again, I I really appreciate it. That has never crossed my mind. Um, Your question is, would I be open to it? Anybody that says no would be lying, right? But with that being said, that that would be so far down the line that I, I couldn't even wrap my head around it. I can't wrap my head around it now. If it ever did happen somewhere 25, 30 years from now, I wouldn't be able to wrap my head around it then, okay? But again, I I appreciate all the nice compliments. I really do. And and I know that, uh, you know, Greg, you're there every week, and and I appreciate that. The fact that I can bring you and so many listeners back week after week, I mean, that's that's what matters to me. It doesn't matter if your name's on a plaque. It doesn't matter. Um, not A lot of things, I, I can't think of anything that matters more. I mean, if I wasn't doing my job the way that I thought that I should do it, if I wasn't doing it right, you wouldn't be there. So to me, that is the greatest honor, and I want to keep doing that for as long as I possibly can. So again, thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate you being there, as always. Next question up on today's show. Hey, Bob, Paul in Columbus. With the season being done, I got to say, I loved what I saw from the Blue Jackets this year. Uh, I'm excited to see what they can do next year. And with that, it's time to look forward. We've got a lot of draft picks coming up. We've got some players to extend and sign, and some we're going to say goodbye to. So my question to you is, what would you like to see the Blue Jackets do this offseason? And is there anything you hope they'll do this offseason? Do you want them to use the draft picks to increase the depth of our prospects? Do you want them to trade our first-round draft picks to possibly get a player of note, somebody that's established? Do you want to see a hockey trade somewhere along the line? What would you like them – what are you hoping they'll do this uh, offseason? And what are some things we should keep an eye on? I want, also want to say thank you for everything you've done this year. You've been a joy to listen to every Wednesday, Friday on your CBJ for 30s and for taking all of our uh, questions. <laughs> I hope you have a good off season, and we'll talk with you soon. Well, Paul, thank you very much. And there is a lot to unravel there as far as what would I like to see. Well, really, what I've talked about the last couple of weeks is, you know, getting – some toughness here and again not a guy that can only fight and that's it but getting a guy or two guys you know to me if you could find a a five six defenseman that is a physical threat and can play and if you can find a fourth line forward that's a physical threat and can play uh, that would be good because Cole Sillinger got knocked around a couple of times this year right Sam Bennett went after him in Florida. That's one that really sticks out to me. But that wasn't the only time. There were like three times that he took big hits. Um, You've got Kent Johnson coming in here. He's going to be bigger when it comes to training camp next year, but he's still not going to be fully grown into his body yet. Uh, Adam Boquist is a guy that is um, a valuable scorer. He's been out a couple of times this year with different injuries. I I would just like to see them find a guy or two guys that can police that 
a little bit, right? Just that other teams would stay away from some of the star players because they don't feel like they can just go out and do whatever they want to, that there is accountability there because there's somebody on the other side that can hold you accountable. And again, I remind you, the Blue Jackets play in the Metropolitan Division. They have to play the New York Rangers, who have Ryan Reeves. They have to play the Washington Capitals, who have Tom Wilson. And, you know, there, there are exceptions to the rule. I, uh, when we were in Pittsburgh on Friday, and I was talking to uh, uh, some of the Pittsburgh people, they were saying about how the Penguins skate away from pretty much everything. They don't, they don't go after anybody. They don't have anybody to go after anybody. And that's the way the game's played now. I, and I get it. I understand it. But it, that element, the physical element, has not gone away. And we saw it a couple of weeks ago at the trade deadline. What were teams trying to add? The Minnesota Wild went out and tried to add that toughness factor right away because they know what they've got to go through in the playoffs if they want to get through the Western Conference. So they went out and they did it. So I I would like to see that. It could be one guy. That's fine. It doesn't have to be two. It could be one guy. He's got to be able to play, and he's got to be able to be somebody that holds the other team accountable so that uh, the young players aren't getting knocked all over the ice. So that's really, for me, that. And, you know, if you do that the right way, you can strengthen the defense at the same time, quite honestly. Uh, As far as the draft picks go, I don't know. It all depends how it all shakes out after the draft lottery. Uh, Are you going to have Chicago's pick this year? Will they finish one or two? And that's going to carry over to next year. Um, There's a lot of unanswered questions there. You know, I am... I'm usually the kind of guy that says if you can make a hockey trade and get somebody that's going to help you right now, that's not a bad thing. But then again, you are building with youth. So it it depends what the spot's going to be. Depends where you wind up and what is projected to be where you wind up, really, to me. That's that's what it is. So um, I they will make it better. I, I know they're going to make it better. And really, that, that's, you know, I could have answered that question very easily for you, Paul. I could have said, well, all I want is them to make it better. But I think they will make it better. And they've got to strengthen the defense. Um, they have to decide if the guys that were here, and it was a porous defense. We all know that. The guys that were here, are they going to get better with age? That's question one. Question two is, are you going to be patient enough to let them age and get better? Or do you need to make some changes so that you can get better faster? Those are the questions, in my opinion. So we'll we'll see how those questions wind up getting answered in the summer. All right, let's go to Twitter. At Bobby Max Sports is where you can find me on Twitter all the time. Jody checked in and says, thanks for another great season bringing us the show. I was wondering, since many have Hockey 101 questions, any chance next season, if there's time to do a segment, on Hockey 101. Again, thanks for everything and have a great summer. Jody, we can talk Hockey 101 anytime you want to. All you have to do is ask the question. I have no problem with it. If you're asking for me to come up with something every week to do it, yeah, I guess I could do that. But, I mean, feel free. If there's something you want to know about, just ask it. You know, I went through that last week um, after the Blue Jackets played in Tampa. There was that goal that Andre Palat scored where Nikita Kucherov was standing behind the net for what seemed like forever. He was back there for so long that I said during the broadcast, he's very dangerous from back there, and I barely got that out of my mouth, and he threw the puck out in front, and then it was in the net. So I asked Brad Larson when I talked to him before the final home game just about defending that particular play. And 
you know, did I didn't say that they do it right. That's not how I was. I just wondered what the mindset was on there. I was wondering if they did, um, if they should have gone in and put pressure on Kucherov or what was going on. And he explained the whole thing to me, and it was, you know, it made a lot of sense um, because they they would have done something, but it would have put other people out of position. So that's why they didn't attack it the way they normally would. So I asked those questions. This is my point. I asked those questions all the time if there's something that I see and I don't fully grasp. I could ask Jody Shelley about it. I can ask Jean-Luc Grandpierre about it. But, you know, a lot of times I just like to go and, and get the opinion of the the coach. I used to ask towards that stuff all the time. Um, if I didn't understand anything, that was, that was one thing that he was really great with, just having hockey conversations because he was, you know, he um, – and it's not just him. Brad Larson's the same way. You can translate that into real life. But, you know, towards – you know, we would always talk about how – you know, football players would do this and baseball players would do this and basketball players would do this. And, you know, he was really good uh, with me at uh, just kind of morphing into that sometimes. Um, maybe it, I just haven't asked Larson to make that comparison as much, I guess. But um, so I, I've learned a lot. I've never been afraid to ask those questions. I don't know everything. I, I may talk like I know everything, but I don't know everything. You can always learn. In life, you can always learn. So... Just ask the questions, and that's what I say to you, Jody, and anybody, any of you. If you, if you want to know the answer, ask me the question. If I don't know the answer to the question, I'll go find it and uh, make sure that you know what it is. Gary Weinheimer says, which skater was your biggest surprise of the just-completed season? There are uh, there are a lot of names on that list. Um, you know, uh, Justin Danforth comes in here from playing and never having played in the National Hockey League, East Coast Hockey League. American Hockey League, um, playing in Europe, playing in the KHL, and you knew nothing about him. And so it was it was surprising. It was surprising what he did until you went and looked at his numbers, and then it shouldn't have been much of a surprise. But for me, honestly, Andrew Peak. The fact that Andrew Peak played top pair minutes as long as he did this year with Zach Wierenski was very surprising to me. If you remember back in training camp, question was will Andrew Peak be a five or six guy is he going to make it I think he's going to make it I think he'll be in the bottom pair but is he actually going to make it because last year he didn't play here much at all so he's he's my guy when they ask me from the team to vote for the most improved player I am not hesitating to put number two on my list I thought Andrew Peak was phenomenal this year what he was asked to do the adjustments that he made and I've said this before on this show and I'll say it again I don't know that Andrew Peak is going to be a top pair defenseman beyond this year. I don't know what they're going to do if they get somebody else to play with Wierenski or whatever the case is. But I do know this. What he learned from doing that all year, the experience that he gained that is going to help him in the future, that is invaluable. Absolutely invaluable. So Andrew Peak is the guy that impressed me more than anybody else. David Lytle says, would we rather have Chicago's pick this year or hope Chicago wins the lottery and get the pick next year? So this is what we're going to now, and rightfully so, I get it, talking about the draft. Okay, so for those of you that aren't aware, the Blue Jackets do have Chicago's first-round pick this coming summer unless, unless Chicago wins the lottery and they move up to pick first or second. Those two spots are protected in the trade the two teams made last year. If the Blue Jackets, or if the, uh, sorry, if the Blackhawks 
draft first or second this year, then the Blue Jackets get their pick next year regardless. So you can look at it one or one of two ways. Um, would they finish sixth, and then they can move? Maybe they'll move. Maybe they won't move. Who knows? But if you get their pick this year, okay, fine. If you get their pick next year, there's the possibility that they could win the lottery next year and you could get Connor Bedard, which would be a game changer, so they say. They being the experts. The experts, in my opinion, also said for the past two drafts that this 2022 draft was going to be the best one. You know, that the last two were not very good, and when you get to 2022, then it was then it was going to be good. Impact players. Now they're saying 2023. So I don't know. I don't know. This happens every year, right? Every year they're like, oh, it's going to be this guy. It's going to be this draft. They say it two years out, and then you get right up on it, and they go, ah, maybe not this year. Maybe next year. Next year looks better. So I don't know. I really don't know, David. Um if they get it this year, make the pick or trade the pick to somebody and get some somebody that's established. That's okay. But uh, here, here's the other thing, I, and I find this funny. I find this funny, and if it's if you're if you're going to make the argument that it is all just based on chance, then it's a good argument. But what are the chances that if Chicago would win this year, let's say they move up to number one this year. And let's say they have still have a very bad season next year, which they should. What are the chances that they would move up to number one again next year? I I just, I mean, what do they think they are, the Edmonton Oilers? So I don't know. I, I don't know if that would, uh, I don't know if you could count on that happening two years in a row. But could they finish, could they move up to two this year and then you can't make the pick and then next year you get their pick and it goes to one? Yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess. But I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I really don't. I Again, you'll know more after the lottery because then you're going to know where you sit and you're going to know where they sit and you're going to know if you have it or not. But I, I don't know. It's, it's easy to say wait till next year and have a chance at Bedard. So I'll say, yeah, we'll take it next year. I'll just say that. How's that? Justin Needham says, will Patrick Line be re-signed before the draft? Um... I I don't know, but I I think so. I I would uh, why am I hedging on that? Because I really don't know. He doesn't have to be then. I mean he's a restricted free agent. You can you can still qualify him and then you can work on that. But um I hope he is. I I hope that he is, but I don't know for sure that he will be. Uh, here's one from, who is this from? I know what it says, but uh, this is from Dave. Dave's Twitter handle was Yarmo Delivers, right? Uh, Dave says, it's being that time of the year, uh, we know that we have too many players on the roster, partly due to injuries. Which forwards and defensemen do you consider to be keepers for next season? And yes, excluding crazy good trade offers. Which are keepers? Um, defensively. Uh, Zach Wierenski is a keeper. Uh, Vladislav Gavrikov is a keeper. I think that uh, with the scoring potential that he has, Adam Boquist is a keeper. Um, I want to say Blankenberg is a keeper. You have to sign him, and they will. But, you know, I I think that that's one that's – I mean, well, no, I'll I'll put him on the list. So there's four of them. 
I know I just praised Andrew Peak, but you know that's the kind of guy I would keep him. But if somebody had interest to where uh, it made sense for you, I think you look at it. And Jake Bean, the same thing. I you know I, I think Jake Bean got passed up by some guys as this year went on. Uh, forwards, Jenner's a keeper. Um, you know, to me, Line is a keeper. Uh, Vorchek's a keeper. You have to have somebody setting those guys up. Uh, where are we going? Nyquist will have a year left on his contract. Gosh, I, I hate I hate taking him off the keepers list, but I think for that reason, uh, you have to. If I tell you Oliver Bjorkstrand is not a keeper, doesn't that sound insane? But I guess excluding a crazy trade offer, as you have it worded, I would say that Bjorkstrand is a keeper. Um, uh, who else am I? Sillinger's a keeper, obviously. It's a no-brainer. Chinikov is a, a keeper. Um, who am I forgetting here? Uh, Corrales a keeper. Then there is Robinson, no. Bemstrom, no. Uh, Roslevic is a tough one because he had 21 goals. But if you got the right offer for him, I, I think you still think about that, even though you're short on centerman. If you could parlay him into a a better centerman, maybe. Um, but he goes on the keeper list because he would be on the excluding a, a great trade. So, you know, I, there are a lot of guys that are better keepers, I think, here. But you're right. There's there's other guys that are going to come in. So what I see as a keeper and what you see as a keeper, you know, it you might get a shock. You might get a surprise. Do you think Cam Atkinson knew he was going to Philadelphia last year? Heck, no, he didn't. And we were all surprised by that. So you never know. You never know. Mark Corral II says, now that the season is over and a very entertaining season it was, we've gotten a taste of what the young ones can do. Whether it's overall play, working on a weakness, or simply point production, which player do you foresee having the biggest jump next season? I have got to say Cole Sillinger because I watched him this year, as did you, and at the end of the year when there were more minutes, I thought he embraced them very well. He finishes with 16 goals. That's more than respectable for an 18-year-old kid, and he's going to get a bigger role next year. He's earned a bigger role next year based on what he did this year, so to me, he is the guy that has the uh, the biggest opportunity. Young Guns 27 says, Chikrin rumors or veteran defense add? I'm reading this like it's written here. Uh, so it goes on to say, does Yarmo add a veteran defenseman to the mix, and does that mean trading off a player like Boquist or Bean, etc.? Uh, second, adding a free agent or trade for a number one center or keep trying Roslovic, Jenner, Sillinger, or Johnson. Uh, third, take a run at acquiring Logan Krause. Um, all right, let's let's sift through this. You know, I talked about the Chickering thing. Well, this the Chickering thing goes back to the earlier question about the draft picks. Okay, you have to have a first round pick if you want to have a shot at Jacob Chickering. I think that's a no brainer. So, do you want to take one of those two picks you have and parlay that? into that now there was a point during the season where I said that would be ridiculous and now I don't know if it would be so ridiculous because defense as we saw and as we talked about earlier uh it really turned out to be a situation that they have got to they've got to fix it they've got to fix it so um so I don't I don't know like if you can get into that conversation if you can make that work you have to have the conversation for sure 
veteran defenseman, I told you, they need to get somebody that, if they could get somebody, I should say, that could add a little toughness and uh, help that defensive effort back there, absolutely. I, as I just said, I don't see Boquist being a guy that you would part with. Jake Bean is a guy that you may part with. Uh, you talk about getting a number one center through trade or free agency. Both of those are expensive options. But, but, uh, is Kent Johnson ready to play center in the league? I don't know that he is. Um, you could go back to Jenner, Roslevic, Sillinger, Corrali, and very much do that. You did it this year. But uh, if there's a chance to upgrade that, I think you have to figure out if you could possibly upgrade that. And as far as Logan Kraus, you're asking about Logan Kraus, who had 20 goals this year for the Arizona Coyotes in 65 games. Also had 52 penalty minutes. Remember when penalty minutes were in the hundreds? I do. But anyway, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know who they might look at. That might be that might be an option, especially if you're already talking with Arizona. Who the heck knows? If you do end up talking with Arizona, I don't want to say that like they definitely are because I have no idea. Uh, Curtis says, is adding toughness this offseason priority number one for Yarmo? I think it's obvious the team got pushed around quite a bit this year, and for the young guys to develop, I think they have to feel safe. Agreed, Curtis. Went over that earlier. I have. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's priority one, but it's on the priority list for sure. Matt Burke any word on the plans for the Kivlenix banner? I asked that question, and I didn't get a straight answer about it as to where it's going to go. It will be somewhere. It will stay somewhere in the building. Um, the person I asked about it, I said, I have no problem with that thing staying right where it is, not that you care what I think. And, um, you know, they – they agreed with that as well. But I don't know that it's going to stay there or if it's going to be moved somewhere else. I, I still don't know the answer to that question, but I did ask. So I'm sorry I don't have anything more for you on that. Uh, Dylan says, any possibility of you interviewing John Tortorella sometime in the future? In the future, possibly. But not the near future. I texted Torts when we were in Tampa the other day. And I asked him if he would do an interview with me to talk about the playoffs. And I immediately got a, no, how's your family? And, and you got to understand, look, he's, I understand he's trying to stay out of, you know, I was going to say stay out of the limelight and then he's working for ESPN. So that doesn't seem to make sense. Right. But I think he's just trying to back off and and part of the reason, in my opinion, and I could be wrong on this, but I don't think I am. Part of the reason is, he wants Brad Larson to be the coach of this team, and he doesn't want to distract from that in any way, shape, or form. Even in the last week, he doesn't. And I get that, and I understand that. And I, I figured that's why he would tell me no, but I had to ask him anyway. Um, so I'll look forward to seeing him the four times the Blue Jackets play the Flyers next year. I don't know anything there either, but I told you before, I think that's what they need, and – so I'm just throwing it out there. If it happens, lift it off this show and send it to the NHL because we were ahead of the curve on it. All right. So, uh, but but I hope to I hope to interview towards again. But it's it'll be a while. And as I said, I get it. I understand that he respects Brad Larson a lot, and he respects what's going on here with the Blue Jackets organization. And I'm sure he doesn't want to be 
seen as, uh, you know, trying to, he wants them to do their own thing and separate it. And I get it. Absolutely get it. Charlie Goh says, when can we expect the team to sign restricted free agents and as well as uh, unrestricted free agents from the market? Well, the unrestricted free agency doesn't come until July, so you're not going to see that until then. Uh, the restricted free agents, you know, when is that going to come? I don't know. There's, They're going to be, um, you know, they're going to cover, they'll be scouting the world championships. Uh, they'll be scouting as much as they can before the draft and talking to guys before the draft. So there's a lot that's going on, and I don't know when those restricted free agent signings are going to come. I don't know if it's going to be soon or if it would be, uh, you know, again, more than likely you start getting toward the draft, and that's when these things start to fall into place. Uh, Sala says, do you know is the plan to extend Steve McCarthy? Also, was there anything surprising to you in the exit interviews? Um, I haven't watched them all yet. I didn't go down there. I, so um, I don't uh, I don't want to talk about it. I, I don't want to comment on something I read, and I, I want to hear it for myself. So I don't have anything surprising. Steve McCarthy, I'm glad you asked about that. Um, remember, he wasn't supposed to be here this year. Sylvain LeFay was supposed to be coaching the defense, and uh, he wasn't vaccinated, so they parted ways with him, and Steve McCarthy came in from Cleveland. And the guys love him. They do. And you might say, well, you need a different defensive coach because the numbers were terrible. It wasn't the coach. It really was the players. The players uh, got better, and um, and they will get better. And this goes back to what I said to you earlier about the, the growth and the patience with the growth. But um, he did a great job. Every defenseman I talked to this year, every one, this is not a lie, had great praise for him and the way that he handles himself in that – you don't make a mistake and then you get put on the bench. You make a mistake, you get a chance, you get talked to about it, you, you have a discussion, and you go back out and you try not to make it again. And you don't understand, perhaps, how huge that is. Because if you think you're going to get pulled after you make a mistake, then all you will do is make mistakes because you're playing scared. If you are relaxed and you know your coach is going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Now, listen, it's not that he didn't shorten the bench when he had to. Right? I mean, listen, Nick Blankenberg comes in and by his second game, or was it even in his first game, he's playing with Vladislav Gavrikov. He's in the top four. He's been there for 35 seconds and he's in the top four. And Jake Bean and Adam Boquist are playing 5 6. Okay? So it wasn't that he was just, uh, you know, kissing up to everybody and trying to make them feel good. If they weren't doing the job, he would find somebody else that was doing the job and they would get more minutes that night, just like everybody on this team. But uh, to a man, they have all raved about him and the way that he treats them and the way that he teaches. So I very much hope that they re-sign him. He's a good man, and he does a good job at what he does. So um, thank you for asking about him. I, You know, those, those guys get so forgotten about at times you talk about the head coach and the other guys you forget about unless things are going bad usually um so to their credit haven't talked about them much this year because you know even when things were going bad they were things that were you would expect would go bad with the experience that you had on this team brian wallace says um how soon before line a gets signed sounds like both sides want it to happen I agree with that. I 
I think they do both want it to happen. So it's just about getting down to the numbers and the term and how it fits within the salary cap. And again, I don't know. I don't know how soon. We will uh, we'll find out. And uh, finally, I think it's finally here. Yes, Heather Miller has checked in. And Heather says, do you think that Blanks will get a contract extension? I love when everybody goes right to the nicknames. I do. Because you feel comfortable with the guys, right? Of course, Heather is talking about Nick Blankenberg. Do I think that he will have that he will get a contract extension? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Zero. You know, he's a restricted free agent. They can qualify him anyway. This guy's going nowhere. Well, he's going somewhere, but he's not leaving this team. He's not leaving this organization. They're going to give him a contract. Had he not gotten hurt in the game against Tampa last Tuesday, he would have played the final two games. Uh, it was just a tough break. Gets taken into the boards and hurt his ribs or shoulder or somewhere on the side of him. He gets driven into the boards, and, and he finished the game. Somebody told me when the game was over, they couldn't believe that he finished the game because he was it had uh, rocked him so bad that he could hardly breathe when he came back to the bench after every shift, and he finished every shift in that game. And when I talked with Brad Larson about him before the Lightning game last Thursday, Larson said, I made the decision for him that he was done for the year. So he wouldn't have made that decision. He would have tried to play through it. This guy's getting a contract. I don't know what the length will be as far as term. I don't know what the money's going to be. But I know that when you come in and you play with that kind of passion, when you put that kind of work into what you're doing, and that's just because it's who you are. I, this guy's trying to impress people. I get it. But he's not trying to impress people. That's just how he plays. That's just who he is. And... There was great respect for him from his teammates, from his coaches. He's getting a contract. Don't you worry about that. Then the next step for him will be to prove that he can do it day in and day out in an 82-game season. Very simple. And if they were to go out and make blockbuster deals and the blue line would get better, and if he's on a two-way contract, then he's got to go to Cleveland and do that. So whatever. Whatever. But as far as is he going to get a deal, he's going to get a deal. Going to get a deal. Well, I'll tell you what. I've had a great deal again this year. My great deal is is talking to you a couple of times a week, answering your questions. I love how we've done it this year. I love that, you know, you send them in on, on Twitter. I love that uh, we've used the voice questions on uh, through the email. I love that uh, we incorporated some live Twitter spaces from time to time, tried that out. My favorite day of the year, honestly, was a trade deadline day when uh, Jody and Jeff and John Luke and I got on Twitter spaces and we just answered your questions for whatever it was, an hour. And, and it was rapid fire. It was boom, boom, boom. You just got, you guys just kept bringing great questions and allowing us to have great discussion with you. That uh, that day stood out a lot to me, and it still does. It very much does. So uh, kudos to you. I, this fan base is it's very knowledgeable. Um, 
And what I like the most about all of you is, and this goes back to what I was talking about when Jody asked about a Hockey 101 segment. What I like the most about all of you is you're passionate. You, um, you may not understand every single thing that happens, but you don't try to pretend that you're all-knowing. Kind of what I was talking about to you earlier, that ask the questions. You guys do ask the questions. You, you ask, you're, um, you're involved, you're, you're there. You're right in the fight with this team. And this year was a great example of that. Going into the season, nobody expected anything. This team overachieves right out of the gate. You were there. When they sunk a little bit later in the season, you were there. When they rose up again, you were there. I'm telling you, the best games that this team played throughout the season, like if you go to individual games, the best ones that they played, in my opinion, were played at Nationwide Arena. And that is not a coincidence. It's because they fed off of you. They knew you were there for them. Not just to pick them up when things were not going well. They knew you were on their side. Yeah, there might be the occasion of a bad power play and there were some boos or whatever, but they know that this team knew that if that situation occurred, the boos were because we know you're better. We know you're better than that. So be better. And they would get better. How many times did they come from behind? Over 20 times they came from behind. And there were some magical moments. Magical moments this season. It's And it's a season that will, you know, it'll be remembered for at the end of the day. Five years from now, it was, oh, they didn't go to the playoffs that year. But, but, that's a year that started to show signs that they were building the next version of the Blue Jackets that were going to go to the playoffs and have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. That's what I think we're going to look back at this season on in retrospect. I do. And you were a part of it. You were a big part of it. And I want you to know how big of a part of it you were. All of you. Every single one. And for all of the people that send me questions on this show, for all of the people that aren't shy and they record their voice and they send it in, for all of the people that will type on Twitter and send the question in, I know for every one of you, there are probably at least 10 that don't ask, but they listen, and they're there, and they're at the games, and they're paying attention to everything that's going on. Whether you're a casual fan or whether you're a diehard, you are equally as important to this team, to this organization. It is so fun to converse with you a couple of times a week. So fun. And I'm so appreciative that you're there like you are. For me, for the team, It's um, I, I, there's nothing else I can say. I've just said it all. I've said it all. So thank you so much for everything. It always sucks when it's over. I had people ask me for the last week, are you glad it's over? No. No, I'm not glad it's over. So why would I be glad it's over? I'm going to be bored when it's over. 
And yes, you get the time back to, to do things at home and there's plenty of things to do and there's family time and I get it, you know, that that's all great. But when it's coming down to the wire, you know, I'm thinking about the players I interact with every day and, you know, you're not going to do that for five months. The guys I travel with and the great fun that we have and the friendships that we have and and even though even if they're living here, I, I just won't see them as much because we're all going our going our own way and doing our own things. So, um, you know, in in you, I'm I won't talk to you every Monday like this. We can do it more often throughout the off season, but it won't be the same with you know talking about the last two or three games. So, um, no, it's to me it's it's never exciting when it's over, but all good things come to an end. I remember <laughs> I was a I was a kid, I don't know how old I was, but we were um we were at a family party and and I was having a great time. I I was seeing cousins that I hadn't seen for a long time and we were just playing and having a great time and you know, all of a sudden my grandmother comes out, and she goes, Hey, it's time to go. And I didn't want to go. I just wanted to stay there. I wanted to be in that moment forever. And she said that to me. She said, Hey, all good things come to an end. Get in a car. <laughs> so that's what it's like we're not totally done by any means um I have another inside edge coming up for you on wednesday night jody shelley and i are going to talk with blue jackets president of hockey operations john davidson i want to pick his brain and see what the management uh thinks about this team i've said it to you a million times i believe it and i want to hear it from jd but i think they're ahead of where they thought they would be at this point i think uh the team overachieved in many ways and that's not just a good thing it's a great thing for everybody involved so john davidson's coming up on wednesday night on the inside edge you can hear it live on the flagship station of the blue jackets radio network 97.1 the fan in columbus you can hear it live on the blue jackets website at bluejackets.com and on the blue jackets app by scrolling down and clicking on the listen live tab or if you can't do any of those things and when the show is over it will be released as a podcast so you'll be able to find it just like you find this show week in and week out so that's what's coming up uh, this week john davidson will talk with jody shelley and me to wrap up the blue jacket season all right i've talked your ear off long enough i know i get it it's time to go i'm dragging my feet but it is time to go so thanks once again to the fine people at tell Ohio credit union for uh, bringing cbj and 30 to you as they have for the past couple of seasons. Thanks to you for being there, as always. Thanks to all of the players for all the time that they've given to me and the other broadcasters throughout the course of the season, the players, the coaches, uh, the the management, uh, the hockey management, uh, the business management. Everybody has been great. Um, you know, during the course of the season, sometimes you, you get those uh, four games in six days and it's the dog days of the season and everybody's ready to – to just tear into everybody else around you when you're working that hard. But, um, you know, those days pass and, and you realize at the end, you look back and you laugh like I am right now, because none of that crap was important. <laughs> it was, you were, you were just burnt out and it was too many games in uh, too short a uh, time span. So everybody's been great. They really have. And, uh, it's been awesome. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Monday mailbag of CBJ and 30 presented by tell credit union. Again, thank you so much for all that you do for me, for the Blue Jackets, and uh, it does not go unnoticed. Till next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.